Hello friends and welcome back to the intro. This is your host Matt Delavalli aka MDV and I'm joined today on the show by Josh Gallegos. Also known as Joshy G, he's the founder of Dead Boys Fitness along with Seth Rollins and he's the go-to functional fitness coach for many WWE superstars like Seth, like Cesaro, like Becky Lynch. Josh is also one of the most recognizable voices in CrossFit and you can find Josh on the mic absolutely pumping up the crowd every time there's a big competition going down. Josh has been a friend for a long time. We've talked fitness, we've talked WWE, we've talked coaching and everywhere in between. This was a really enjoyable podcast for me and I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. If you're a coach out there and you're looking to improve your preparation, your on the floor demonstration, anything to do with coaching from minute zero all the way to minute 60, the NC Fit Collective is a fantastic place and a fantastic resource for you to continue your development. It's awesome to go out there and get all these certificates, but if you're not studying every single day with detailed session plans and coach videos, you're really leaving a lot on the table. Check us out at NC Fit Collective, and if you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. But without further ado, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Joshy G. Let's go. Welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalli, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm joined today by Josh Gallegos. You might recognize Josh's voice if you've ever been to any big CrossFit events out there or if you've been to any of the other sanctional events in the past or any of the competitions out there that get big audiences, big crowds. He's one of the top MCs in the space. He's also become the de facto go-to trainer for a lot of WWE superstars, which is really, really interesting, fascinating. It kind of like tickles my inner child, WWE sitting on the floor, Indian style, watching the uh, the matches, and I'm still a fan. Josh, welcome to the intro. Baba Booey, what's up, MDV? <laughs> my man. Oh, gosh, you're going to start cutting promos right away. First of all, let's cut a promo real quick on just how shredded you look. Every I'm on Instagram, you know, as everyone on, on planet Earth is. And one of the first ones that come up besides action figures or pro wrestling or fitness is a shirtless MDV or a posted in my face with some kind of uh, tip and trick from MDV. My man, you are looking good, my friend. Good all job. All smoke and mirrors. All smoke and mirrors. At 37 years old, man, I got to take what I can get. But uh Look, uh, those are th those filters have th those pictures have zero filters. So don't don't let them fool you, ladies and gentlemen of of MDV's podcast. Uh, this that man is looking lean and mean and big and shredded. So too kind, too kind. Josh, you've always been such a nice guy. I've always enjoyed uh, our time together. And we've got to know each other over the years through a bunch of different stuff, you know, dating back to your days at uh, CrossFit Paradiso and also your days when you were working with Progenics and we met at the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run many, many years back. But mm -hmm. tell my listeners a little bit where you're at right now, 2020, 2021, and what's going on in your life. Ah, well, that's a, that's a, a great, great segue. Yeah. So, uh, late nine, uh, 20, 2019, <laughs> I, I left Paradiso CrossFit, uh, cause I wanted to really focus my energy on dead boys fitness, which if you don't know what dead boys fitness is, ladies and gentlemen, it is an online fitness program and community, um, uh, not necessarily based 
towards pro wrestling fans, though that is a big uh, component of our members. But again, just looking for people to have fun. I like to engage, uh, you know, uh, incorporate a lot of pop culture references and, mm. and a lot of the things that I do. But we've cultivated a really fun, really cool community. And I just wanted to put forth my efforts onto that, uh, which was a good thing because, you know, right around the corner, 2020 happens. Everyone's locked down. Everyone's shut inside, at least for a couple of months or at least for the first half of the year. And so it was really fun to, you know, kind of just focus on that and really garner uh, a, a fun community and really put them first versus, you know, coaching early mornings yeah. and then doing, you know, the programming and stuff and then more private clients at night and then on the weekends emceeing stuff. So it was fun for a good, you know, seven or eight months to just focus on dead boys. Very cool. Yeah, those are big communities, man. And, and you guys have done a really good job of cultivating a really unique brand. And obviously, like you said, you're you're not catering to uh, WWE or rest pro wrestling fans, but you guys have a pretty large contingent uh, being that Seth Rollins, correct, is is working on that project with you or, or was a part of it. What is Seth's involvement with that? Seth is involved as much and or as little as he can. You know, I am obviously, you know, shackled by his ongoing schedule and all of his other, um, you know, day-to-day life. You know, he's now as a dad and he has a coffee shop. He also doesn't live in California. He lives in Iowa. He does come to California from time to time. But, you know, again, with the wonders of Zoom and the fun things we're able to do, you know, virtually, uh, Seth is a, a part of Dead Boys and is involved uh, whenever there's questions or when we have meet and greets. So, you know, does he involved in the programming? No, that's me or my forte, which yeah. depending on who you ask, he either loves or hates or depending <laughs> on the movements, whether he loves or hates. But no, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I love reaching into the Rolodex and bringing in pro wrestlers, bringing in people from the music world, Mm. bringing in actors, bringing in, you know, fun stuff. And again, that's kind of me as a person, you know, I love, as you can see, or for those that you can't see, I have a huge comic book collection behind me, action figures, this, that, and the other. So I love pop culture, anything pop culture. Clearly I'm a pro wrestling fan Mm. and clearly I love fitness. So it's bringing all of those things together. You know, um, we're not a, and an elite programming sites. I, I don't think my programming is going to get to the, the games. Maybe it might. I mean, it almost got Seth to a, uh, to two semifinals. So, you know, or not semifinals, but the, what was it? The next step after the open. After the open. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're not focused on creating CrossFit games athletes, but we are focused on creating a stronger, faster and healthier lifestyle for people that may not, work out or may not know how to work out, whether it's, you know, through whether it's the methodology of CrossFit, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's stretching. uh, I mean, we really try to hit all avenues and all walks of life. That's very cool. And and like we were chatting before the show, you're, you're reaching an audience that is not necessarily always exposed to the same kind of fitness elements that the traditional person who walks into a CrossFit Uh, affiliate might be exposed to you're you're sometimes reaching to people who might not have ever picked this stuff up before or might be inspired by seeing somebody on you know the screen or in the ring and and they're getting after fitness for maybe some of the first times in their life yeah you know i always on another show i i I use this analogy that you know growing up i was a big obviously sean michaels bret hart macho man randy savage fan if at any point in their career they're like oh i follow this program or, oh, follow this program and you have a chance you can work out with me. My 
13 year old, 12 year old brain would have exploded and I would have begged <laughs> my mom and dad to sign me up for it. Um, so that's kind of a fun, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know, there, there's a very good chance that you could work out with one of your heroes, but the, on the other end of that too, it's like, yeah, we do have a lot of people that have never worked out before in their life and especially never done anything in the functional fitness methodology of CrossFit. So that is also very new for them. They, they realize like, oh man, we can work out and do a 12 minute workout. And it, you know, I will get amazing results if I, you know, move at high intensity while maintaining good form and technique. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's crazy. I've never been exposed to anything like that. Yeah. So it is fun to see those results. If anything, when people do cancel, cause there are cancellations of course, but when they're are canceling, I would say 85% of them are canceling because they signed up at a local gym, whether That's it be really cool. a, a planet fitness or a brother pump gym, you know, or, you know, I lose a lot of business to, Hey, I signed up for my CrossFit affiliate. I just joined a gym in my, my hometown. So, you know, that's a great thing. Cause yeah, I, again, you know, we are doing this to expose people to fitness, yeah. you know, and a, a big chunk of a, you know, our audience, whether it be pro wrestling fans or pop culture fans, you know, they don't work out They're They're, they don't know what the West coast classic is. They have no idea what the CrossFit games are. You know, they don't even, they couldn't tell you even who won Mr. Olympia, you know? So they just know like, Hey, my lifestyle is sitting on the couch and watching pro wrestling or sitting at a gaming room playing, you know, call of duty for 15 hours. I don't know this world at all. How can I get involved? Yeah. It's a very interesting, I want to talk much more about that because it's a very interesting demographic. And, um, I want to, I want to first chat about, <clears throat> obviously you've been a, a fan of pro wrestling for a long time and, you know, people who are listening to this and if you're a coach or if you're just somebody who's got a dream in your head and you're like, man, I would, I would love to eventually work with some of my idols or work in an industry in which I look to and see some of the people who I've looked up to for many, many years. I mean, you're, you're kind of living out a, a dream life, right? You're, you're working with a lot of the top pro wrestling stars in the space. And how did you get involved in that? How did it go from being passionate about pro wrestling to meeting some of these people and, and being involved? <laughs> well, the, the long the long story is I got into fitness because I loved pro wrestling as a kid. Really? I begged my dad to take me to the gym, you know, cause I wanted to look like these guys. And that's how I started to go to the gym, you know, growing up in the, the, the late eighties, early nineties, you know, your idols were obviously, you know, or the, the, the people you see on TV all the time, where your Arnold Schwarzenegger's, your action stars, your, your, your Sylvester Stallone's, your Jean-Claude Van Damme's. Everybody uh, was jacked in the early 90s. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when you're watching pro wrestling, you see guys like Hogan and Warrior, larger than life characters. But for me, it was always the smaller guys that I liked. You know, they were the most athletic, like Shawn Michaels, Macho Man, Bret Hart. So I wanted to look like those guys. I never wanted to. To me, Hogan was too big. Warrior was too big. Or, you know, Stallone was too big. Arnold you, didn't was too wanna, big. you didn't want to look like Lex Luger? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But so my dad, you know, dragged me to a gym. Well, he didn't really drag me. I, I dragged him to the gym to, to make me go with him because my dad was a big, you know, brother pump guy as well. So, you know, growing up, my very first job was at a gym, Gold's Gym in Vegas, putting away weights. And, uh, which is funny because, you know, you 
fast forward 20 years later and, you know, 20 plus years later, and I'm still putting away, kind weights. Of, <laughs> putting away weights. Exactly. So, yeah. So the, that was kind of like the, my first kind of tipping my, uh, you know, tapping my toes into the fitness world. And then shortly after that, my next job was there was a, a arcade in Las Vegas called GameWorks and they needed uh, a guy to, they had this big NASCAR video game and they needed a guy to, talk on the microphone and say who was in the lead. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Well I was in theater, which is, is another story in itself. Uh, I'm this big guy who, you know, looks like a football player in high school. And I would, you know, I, I took like weight class in high school. And then I also was in theater because again, I wanted to be a pro wrestler of some sort. I wanted to be in a performance way, you know, yeah. I wanted to be able to perform. So I took weightlifting and I took theater and uh, I needed a summer job. So I took this job and I'm announcing who's in the lead. And people love me because I would give people nicknames like, oh, the, you know, the big blue Smurf is in the lead and oh, the pink Panthers in second, which again, fast forward 20 years later, I'm doing that. But instead <laughs> of, you know, a NASCAR race, it's, you know, guys with their shirts off running down a soccer field in Carson or whatever. So that was looking back, it's really funny to see, you know, your very first jobs to now, but to answer your question, uh, I was working at a gym, mm -hmm. uh, in LA Dogtown CrossFit. I, know uh, that, yeah. I, 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 I was in the entertainment industry. I worked uh, on the game show jeopardy. You might've heard of it and I got laid off. And so I was really into CrossFit and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I want to get my level one. Uh, and at, at around this time, I also was asked to announce the CrossFit games in 2012 or whatever it was. So I think this is like 2014. Mm -hmm. I don't have the dates right completely, but I've been in the CrossFit space for about two or three years, had my level one, I'm coaching classes. And I see that, uh, I, I follow a bunch of wrestlers on Twitter and I see that Seth Rollins loves CrossFit and he's, you know, at adding Jason Kalipa and he's like, oh, I'm going to be on the West coast and this, that, and the other. So I run to Lindsay Valenzuela, who was working out at the gym. And I was like, hey, look, can you just tweet this guy? His name's Seth Rollins. He's coming to the gym uh, to come to our gym, you know, almost very catfish-like. <laughs> so she did. And he responded he was going to come into the gym. Anyway, long story short, he did meet Lindsay Valenzuela that day at the gym. He met me. And I put him through a workout, or he did some workout. And the rest is kind of history. He yeah. Uh, we, we, we became friends, obviously hooked him up with some progenics. So I was working with them at the time. I met Claudio, I met, uh, you know, Luke Harper, rest in peace at the time. So we just became buds, you know, and every time I would go to the games, I'd invited him. He came to the games once, you know, obviously people know me and I have, you know, my face in the space and Hey, you want an RPM jump rope? I, I, I got this connection or, Hey, you know, you want, uh, you're going to NorCal here. Here's Jason's number, hit him up, you know, mm -hmm. or, oh my God, you're going to Houston, Texas, hit up city side gym. They're buddies of mine. So I would gotcha. also help him find, uh, affiliates to work out in. And yeah. then, you know, we just became buds and he like, he was like, Hey, I'm bored today. Can you give me a workout? And I gave him some workouts that I, I, I wrote up and he was like, Hey, you want to program for me? And that's kind of how me working for Seth happened. And then from there, he just, it was just a trickle down effect. People liked, what Seth was doing. He was the champ. He was shredded on TV or is shredded on TV. And so like Bailey would ask or Becky, his, his future wife would ask Claudio would ask. So and these are all other WWE superstars. Yeah. So then I just not in the loop. Yeah. Yeah. So then I just started getting wrestlers that were like, Hey, I'm interested in CrossFit or Hey, I'm interested in your programming. And mm. that's kind of how it happened. Well, 
You know what's funny is I, I had a, a conversation with Adrian Bosman a bunch of weeks back, and uh, Bosman was describing this idea of right place, right time, right attitude, and and that's really what this seems to be to me. Like you, you are passionate about pro wrestling. You were paying attention to the scene. You saw that these guys were into it. You put yourself in the right place in the right time, but you also had the right attitude. And you probably weren't a douche. You probably weren't, you know, uh, overbearing. You you were genuinely trying to help these guys out, and it turned into an awesome relationship for you. And you've gotten to know, I mean, a lot of the top WWE superstars. I think that's kind of how my life has been. Uh, MDV is right place, right time, right attitude. It goes the same with the announcing stuff. People mm-hmm. ask me all the time, how did you get into announcing? How did you get to announce the cross? Well, how games? did that happen? Same. It's literally the same thing. It was, I just got laid off at Sony from my dream job of traveling the world and shooting video clues for Jeopardy. And, uh, Dogtown CrossFit was hosting a cancer charity event that I helped him put together. And I was in an earlier heat. And then the last heat we did, it was in downtown Culver City, was the owners, Adam and Dusty. And they had Val Voberol and they had Lindsay Valenzuela. And at, at the time, Adam was talking on the microphone, kind of emceeing the event. And I was in an earlier heat. So I saw that these big CrossFit superstars were doing this competition but nobody was talking, literally nobody was talking. So I ran over there and I grabbed the microphone and I just did what I did from my days back at GameWorks and I, and my pro wrestling knowledge, cutting promos and, Oh, we got Adam and Lindsay, the people's champ and blah, blah, like just giving everybody nicknames and just having fun with it. Mm. I wasn't trying to do anything other than it was just dead air for this grand finale of this big cancer charity event. And nobody was talking. And from there, there were a couple of people that were there that were hosting another event. They were like, hey, we'd love for you to come and do our event. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. I emceed that event and that led to another event. And then that event led to SoCal Regionals in Pomona in 2012. Mm-hmm. And so it was Kiki and myself. We did that as like a, we, we, I did like a heat. She did a heat. And then we were like, we came together like, hey, let's just do this together. This was fun if we just tag team off of each other. And from there, Justin Berg and Dave Cash were there like, hey, we love your guys' chemistry. We want to try something out. We're going to bring you to NorCal and do the, no, the, the NorCal regional. So we went there and I don't think they knew we were coming because um, I can't, I, maybe you might remember. I forget the guy's name, but there used to be a, a gym chain in NorCal. It was um, had a guy's name in it. I want to say Tim, but that's not right. Uh, no, I, I don't know who you're referring to. I don't have enough clues just yet. You're doing, a, but, you're not doing a great job of giving me any sort of jeopardy type of clue here. <laughs> that that's okay. It's usually <laughs> in the form of a question, but, or that's the answer. Sorry. But there was a guy in NorCal. I want to say it's Tim, but I know that's not right. Um, but he had, he had, he, um, owned a, a chain of gyms okay. and it was called like Tim's gym or something. And TJ's he was the gym. TJ. Thank you, TJ. I'm sorry, TJ, if you're listening. <laughs> TJ's gym. TJ was the MC, and yeah. we show up, Kiki and I, and we're like, "Hey, we're here to MC," and he had no idea. And um, anyway, so we ended up MCing that. And Dave and Justin, they really liked what Kiki and I brought to the table, so they invited us to the games that year. And then, you know, that's just yeah. kind of how it happened. Right place, right time, right attitude. We weren't jerks. I wasn't a jerk. I just picked up the microphone and just started yapping. Well, I think these are uh, a couple of really cool lessons here, man. Like not, not, not only the right place, right time, right, right attitude. We definitely, I think have covered that you have put yourself in a position where 
you're going to take advantage of an opportunity and, and you're going to have the right attitude about it. But also you didn't have this fear factor of saying no, because you didn't have experience doing it. Like a lot of people might go, Oh, you know what? I, you know, I just kind of picked up the mic here and I, I don't really know about doing this next event. And that might be a lot for me. I have to travel and, uh, or, you know what, Seth, it was really nice to meet you. I loved putting you through a workout, but I don't know about, Hey, training you anymore, sending you any more workout. You just kind of did it. You just kind of figured it out. Yeah. It, it, I think again, going back to the stuff that I learned, I, I moved to LA on a whim, you know, I, I was going to college at Where UNLV originally from Love Las Vegas. Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. I was going to school, UNLV. Uh, I had a side gig. My mom worked, uh, for this company called airborne express, which is almost like federal express. I was delivering packages on the outskirts of Nevada, making a shit ton of money, but I just was not happy. I was like, I don't want to be a mailman and I don't want to live in Las Vegas. No offense to Las Vegas, but this isn't where I want to be in LA. I want to work on movies and TV shows. And I just moved kind of on a whim. I became, and, and, and again, the, the lessons that I learned in Vegas, there was a TV show that came into town, became really good friends with them, made a lot of great, great connections. There was a movie that came into town, became friends with the director. He invited me to LA. I didn't think twice about it. I saved some money. As soon as I was able to, I moved to LA Moved to Glendale, California, of all places, because I didn't know any better. Like, oh, this seems nice. This seems okay. Worked on a movie. And when that was over, I just, I thought that I was going to just jump from movie to movie to movie. But no, once the movie was over, that's it. You got to figure well, out where you're up. living. Yeah. I was like, shit, what do you do? So I did every odd job on the planet. I was a busboy. I was um, uh, a video game tester, which people were like, oh, that's such a cool job. That job was probably the worst job I've ever had in my life. But that's Why for another that? It's literally monotonous. It's you play a game. In this case, it was some sort of motocross game. And you play it until you break it. And they give you just like, you're literally playing the same level over and over and over and over oh, and over God. again. And you're just trying to break. It. And you, at that point, you had to write everything down. So you're like, and you had to repeat everything. It, it, it was just awful. Cool for the first 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, not cool. Yeah. Anymore. And they just kind of treated you like trash, right? They just oh. didn't treat you oh. like a, a, like a, they weren't really nice to their employees. So again, it luckily it was, it was just a temporary job, but I always had to figure things out, right? I, oh, I, I could have easily just been like, ah, this isn't working out. I'm going to move back to Las Vegas. I figured it out. And even the same thing back to losing my job at Jeopardy. Like I could have easily been like, oh, this sucks, but I figured it out. And in a way, in a fun way, I'm glad that happened because if it did, if it didn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, yeah. which was, you know, don't, you know, Seth's coming into town. Look, I'll throw a line out. If he takes it, great. If he doesn't, I, I'm not losing anything from it. Same thing yeah. with picking up the microphone at Crush Cancer. I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary, right? It, Adam or Dusty at the time could have said, hey, Josh, get off the microphone. I could have got off the microphone, but I did, you know, yeah. and it's, 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 a you know, leaving Paradiso CrossFit. Like I love the community. I love the things that I did for that gym, but it was scary to leave a gym, but at the, at the end of the day, it was like, well, you know, I want to focus on something that I'm creating, not helping somebody else with their gym. I want to do yeah. something for me, you know? Well, it's cool not to be paralyzed by fear or not to have this comfort hold you in one place. You know, you, you've, you've put yourself out there, you've seized opportunities and, you know, like we were chatting, you just got back from the West coast classic, which went down in your hometown, Las Vegas yeah. this past weekend. And Seth has achieved some of the highest accomplishments in 
pro wrestling, right? He's, he's held the highest belt and he's done some of the biggest things and those guys are getting back on the road. I want to talk a little bit more about the life on the road and the actual rigors of pro wrestling, because I think that there's probably some misconceptions about what that's actually like, but tell me a little bit about how the West coast classic went down. And that's like kind of the first big event back, I believe after CrossFit. I mean, there's been a couple other ones, but this one seemed huge. Yeah, no disrespect to the Mid-Atlantic Challenge or the Granite Games, but there is nothing like a competition. Wait, hold, on, on, hold on, hold on. You're not going to cut a promo here? You're not going to you're not going to bring some disrespect? <laughs> no, there's no disrespect. I'm just I'm just, I'm just literally I, I there's no disrespect to have because the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. If you watch <laughs> if you've ever been to a SoCal regional, yes. right? You it is a very Fun and electric crowd when they were at that uh horse arena in Del, Del Mar, Mar racetrack that stadium is electric that venue is very electric and the the, the great thing about the west coast classic was that they tra- they wanted to recreate that feeling and unfortunately due to the pandemic and and this that and the other they weren't able to go back to Del Mar yeah the next best thing, in my opinion, was Las Vegas. And would I have liked the crowd to be bigger? Of course. I'm sure we all would. But with the, the, you know, the pandemic still kind of going on and people not feeling as comfortable going out and especially being in an enclosed arena, um, it's tough. But they did a tremendous job of putting it together, kind of throwing nods back to historical events and at the same time to updating some others mm. and the crew, the loud and live crew that's put it on uh, Dylan and Matt O'Keefe, Kristen Chandler, they did a really good job of making that venue feel like a big time event. There were times uh, and finishes for certain events that were the, the crowd got really loud. And I would say it was probably at 30%, 30% capacity, 40% mm. capacity. Um, and it, it felt like, oh, man, this is this feels like back in the day. This feels like a, a really cool event. So we do, it will be interesting to see where they take that event because, A, Vegas is such a huge destination. You know, there was a Buttery Bros pool party afterwards, right? And there's so many fun things that you as a spectator could do in Vegas outside of watching people exercise. So I think it will be a very fun event to look forward to in the future. Uh, I'm not saying people aren't excited to go to Tennessee or Minnesota, but there is no place. And I repeat, there is no place like Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Sorry, Tennessee and sorry, Minnesota. (laughs) You just can't cut a rug to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I look, I hope more people can go next year and check it out because it is a fun event and all the fun little activations. And I really truly believe that that particular event is going to be huge as you know, the sport continues to evolve. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the guys that um, Loud and Live do a fantastic job. Those are the same guys that now run Wadapalooza down in Miami, and uh, they know how to throw an event, and they certainly know how to throw a party afterwards as well. Hey, I want to ask you something about the athlete field uh, for uh, competitive fitness athletes, competitive CrossFit athletes. You sure. Know, you, you and I have been around this space for a long time. There were some fucking legends when we got into this and when the games first kicked off, you know, Froning, Chan, Kalipa, all these humongous names, Bridges, Frazier came up, uh, any, all, anybody else. There was just this core group of people who you looked at. And these guys were just bigger than life 
monsters, not only physically, but they also had a certain charisma and a certain level of performance and excellence. And they just, they went out there and they crushed it. I'm not taking anything away from the athletes who are out there right now. I know that there's very, very talented athletes right now, but as an observer, as an outside observer, I don't see the same type of aura around some of the athletes now as it was in the past. I, I don't know whether that's just my own kind of sticky nostalgia for when I was super into yeah. watching it, or is it generally now the field is younger, kind of less experienced, and you don't have as many legendary types of names competing anymore. There are still some, obviously. Cole Sager won this weekend. Noah Olson's competing. Uh, but what's your take on that? See, it's interesting because I, I look at that, the way you you explain that is the way I look at like, pro wrestling in the eighties and nineties, right? I'm like, Oh, this guy's where's the million dollar man at. That was such a great character. Where's razor Ramon? Like where these guys don't even have characters, but to your credit, I see what you're saying, right? Uh, to, if you grew up in 2011 to 2015, the chance, the Kalipas, I mean, you know, I think, I remember one of the very first memories of me of CrossFit is I wanted a Kalipa shirt, not because I knew who he was, but because he had the incredible Hulk on the outside. And then you looked at him and you're like, holy shit, this guy looks just like the incredible Hulk. (laughs) He is the incredible Hulk, you know? Um, And you had the Matt Chan, right? He, you know, I kind of called him like the bad boy, you know, just because he had tattoos really more than anything. He had that Uh, badass samurai shirt, like the yeah, yeah, samurai helmet. Yeah. You know, you can even credit like Valenzuela, you know, just super intense, you know, Um, Annie Thor's daughter, you know, you're like, oh, shit, it's fucking Thor's daughter. That's like, it's crazy. So I think and I just had this conversation with somebody not too long ago. The issue or problem that I guess I have with athletes today is that they aren't allowing not CrossFit or Loud and Live but themselves are not allowing their personalities to show Mm. in the sense that like the best characters in anything are usually somebody's personality dialed up by 11. Right. Uh, To me, some of these athletes could kind of be boring, right? They're, they're not allowing their personalities to show. And I think there was one guy this weekend that really caught my eye. And I, I think he came in maybe eighth or seventh. His name is Cedric Lapointe, if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, he wore a tie-dye shirt every heat. And every heat, he had a different saying on his shirt. One was like, I love Kim. One was the Montreal Canadiens logo, which was ironic because they were playing Vegas. So I didn't know if that was like him trying to be a heel or whatever. But <laughs> he had a little bit of personality. When the camera was on him, he was saying, I love you to his family. He was just very outgoing. You know, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that, look, I understand that the, the point of being an athlete is to win these competitions, but there is no pro there's nothing there. There's no rule that says you can't have a personality. Yeah. Am I saying be a complete asshole, like a Conor McGregor Gregor or a Colby Covington? No, though. Personally, I think that would be great, but you know, well, that, but, I, I was just thinking of that same example, like I, thinking of somebody like Conor McGregor, who is obviously a world-class talent in MMA. There's no arguing a motivated McGregor is somebody who is going to go out there and give a really tough fight to anybody. But what made him an international superstar, the, the highest paid athlete in the world, was not necessarily the fact that he was knocking guys out in the ring. That, that was part of it, but it was also 
the personality that he brought, how he cut promos, how he went out there and did his interviews, his personality. People tuned in to watch Conor McGregor fight because you kind of didn't know what the guy was going to say or do. And I think that, you know, to compare like a Matt Frazier, for example, um, Frazier, I feel had that opportunity. He just did not want to go that route. And that's fine. I'm not asking him to do that. I understand why he doesn't want to do that. But, you know, for him, I would like to feel that he would be constantly compared to Rich all the the fucking time. Mm. Hey, man, what's it like? Oh, you got three. Rich has got three. He's got, you know, four. Who's better, Rich or Matt? Like, if you want to say, hey, man, please stop talking to me about Rich. I'm Matt Frazier. I'm my own person. Like, that guy's in the past. I'm the present. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know. Maybe he did say that. Maybe he didn't. I don't remember ever him hearing that. But there is nothing wrong with that. And that just shows his personality. Like, hey, man. Quit, quit comparing me to a guy that's no longer a part of this sport and as, as a single competitor. Yeah. You know, if there's a new guy coming up, he's probably going to be compared to Matt and or rich, but what Matt did was historic. And if people were going to com- constantly bring up somebody else, cut the promo, get hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like who's this person to say, like, why you keep comparing me to somebody? Yeah. You I know? actually kind of like how, how Matt did it because Matt did it so I think first of all the the brilliance of hard work pays off is undeniable because the sure. way that he took that and the way that he and Nike kind of worked that and promoted that and created that brand is awesome but he also was somebody who just fucking suffered in silence for years and then would go out onto the floor at the games and just annihilate everybody and be so dominant that he didn't really have to have he always just let his performance do the talking yeah and, and just to be clear i'm not yeah. talking about during the season i'm talking about oh, out of after season. yeah out, after out, season out, well because because the guy wins right he wins the the his third crossfit games you know they're gonna ask him about rich it's like bro don't talk to me about rich he's in the past i'm in the present you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's what i'm talking about is these man has a personality so it's not really more geared towards him but there is a lot of up-and-comers that, you know, I don't care what your gimmick is, whether you are the cowboy, which is the closest thing that I'm ever going to get to a CrossFit gimmick, Sean Sweeney, right? A, a cowboy, or you're a devoted father, a, 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 you know, and parents, like, just just be yourself, you yeah. know, just, just but, but elevate it, you know, turn it up to 11. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because, and I'm going to give people a free, you know, Merch lesson 101, you're gonna sell more merch, you're gonna be able to 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 be able to get more followers. There, there are gonna be people that are gonna want to be and uh follow you and, and, and want your stuff because they can somewhat relate to you. Mm-hmm. If you're and again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this. If somebody wins, like, hey, look, no Olson was great and he did a great job, I was just the better man, and you know, I can't wait for event number four. Sure, that's a that's fine. You know, that's a great interview, but like, how am I Josh going to relate to that? How are yeah. you MDV going to relate to that? How is somebody watching going to relate to that? Yeah. They're not going to relate to that. The people that, that made the most monies, the, the Jason's, the Matt Chan's, the Lindsay Valenzuela's, the Val Vobrules. It was Val was a school teacher. Val, you know, only worked out an hour a day. Val has a daughter. Val is the Nissan, whatever, uh, Pat Sherwood said, Val's the Nissan of, uh, you know, the, of, of the CrossFit game athlete. She's all reliable. People could be like, oh shit, I'm a teacher. Look, and look what she's, she's accomplishing, you know? Oh, I, I'm a parent. Look what she's accomplishing one hour a day. 
You no, know? it's a really interesting conversation because I don't know how much you follow Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if at all, but, you know, there's been somebody who's kind of took a meteoric rise, this guy, Gordon Ryan, Gordon the King Ryan, and, you know, he's an American, he's a young guy, and he has dominated uh, no-gi jiu-jitsu recently. I mean, hands down, the best no-gi grappler that has ever lived, and he is tearing through all of these historic Brazilian names and and kind of being very brash about it and very in your face, but he's a marketing genius. You know, not only is he existing in a sport where traditionally you don't make a ton of money unless you get to a certain very small percentage level, like CrossFit's very similar, but he's out there now selling tons and tons of DVDs and doing a lot of things and having more eyes and more attention on him than anybody else. And I'm not saying that you have to do that if you don't want to do that, but the opportunity to stand out in the crowd exists. But like you said, sometimes you got to turn it up to 11. I'm not saying don't be who you are. I'm not saying go and be a complete caricature. You know, don't, I'm not asking for pro wrestling to invade (laughs) CrossFit, you know, but Sean Sweeney, for example, is a cowboy, right? He wears the cowboy hat. You know, I'm not saying I need him to come in riding a horse. I don't need him after each workout going, yeehaw, everybody. That was one rootin' tootin' time. Like, I don't need him to be a caricature. But again, he takes his personality and elevates it to 11. And that's why this weekend, when you looked in the crowd, you saw Sean Sweeney head, uh, like big heads. Cowboy people head wearing head. cowboy hats. Yeah, people wearing cowboy hats. Like, that's all I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know? And- you know, and going back to what you were saying too, it's like, you know, the the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, you know, making an effort to create this persona. I I I I just want it to be clear. I'm not asking these people to be disingenuous. I want them to be whoever they are. It's just okay to be passionate. It's okay to 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 have feelings. It's okay to you didn't want that guy to win. I say that, you know, this this good old like, oh man, you know, I just want everybody to do good, like. No, you don't. <laughs> it's okay that you're in a competition. Not everybody can win. This isn't a class. You know, this is a competition. No Olson, you're going up against Alex Smith and you're going up against, you know, uh, Sean Sweeney. You don't want them to win. Do you want everybody to finish after, after I beat them? Do I want everybody to finish? Sure. Yeah. I want everybody to have fun, but I want to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. And yeah. I think there's this, 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 this really thin line that people in the sport, they want to be respectful, which I understand, but they also are by being respectful and overly nice. They are being, they're, they're disingenuous, you know, they're, they're being disingenuous to themselves. Well, then they're and also I think, kind of underselling some of what could be personality and getting their name out there and creating some buzz. And I mean, again, I, we've, you and I have seen numerous games, numerous interviews, the ones that are, people are like, you know, Hey, how was, how was that workout? Oh, that was fucking hard. Big pop. Everyone in the audience laughs because they know anything with thrusters sucks, mm-hmm. you know? Oh man, oh, you know, and another guy that's doing a great job, and and then I'll answer whatever question you have. No, Justin worries. Medeiros, right? He's he that mullet is fantastic, right? It's chef's kiss, and now other people are copying his gimmick. They're stealing the guy's mullet. The guy, as far as I know, was the first brother to have the mullet. Now I see two, three other athletes that are doing the mullet. That guy should be cutting promos on them. Hey, don't steal my gimmick, you know. 
He's a talented athlete. He's somebody who I think actually uh, has some really, really big potential. You know, you just look at that guy. Not only is he an absolute physical specimen, but he, his head is like the size of a fire hydrant. He is just like, he looks like he's ready to run through a wall. But what I wanted to ask you was, if you had to pick whether it's historic games athletes or current games athletes, who is the one person who you would pick and go, I could take them out of CrossFit and put them into WWE pro wrestling. And I know this person would be successful. Oof, man. There's so many. I mean, Kalipa off of the top of my head is a huge physical specimen that, that I'm sure if Vince just saw him would probably, or any wrestling company would saw him and, and would, would drool over Matt Chan would be another one. The, the, the I think, um, I would say, man, this is tough because you got to be really tall. Sorry, Josh Bridges. Uh, I'm trying to think who would be. Josh would kind of be perfect if he was 5'11", 6 foot at least, right? <laughs> Not e- yeah, at least. No, that's a good question. I'm a small guy too. Look, uh, I'll tell you an interesting story here in a minute. That's a tough one. I really have to think about it. I mean, hmm. I think Garrett Fisher had some tryouts with the WWE at some point. Garrett would have been great, but again, that's another great, that's another example of uh, a personality that, you know, he's just, just too nice. You know, if he had, if, if, if he would have played the, I'm Rick Ross's trainer, I'm from Miami, you know, just kind of like I get VIP service everywhere I go. He would have been over like, like, cro- you know, whatever. Razor Ramon. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Garrett Fish is a good one. I'm really, this would really bother me because, Two days from now, I'm going to be like, this is the guy. Well, keep thinking about that because I want to ask you a question about uh, pro wrestling because you have been nice enough over the years when there have been events close to me. You've uh, been very, very generous with hooking me up with some of the WWE staff and some of the uh, athletes and the wrestlers and getting me some really amazing seats. I've seen two or three events and I saw, I think it was Hell in a Cell in Boston a bunch of years back, which was uh, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Uh, oh, that was Blair. a great one. And that's probably one of the best matches. I mean, that that's, goes down as one of the best matches in Hell in a Cell history. That thing was, it was unbelievable. And listen, I'm not a humongous fan of pro wrestling, but you cannot deny how electric that type of event was and is when you're sitting that close to it and seeing what's going down. And the physicality of it really blew my mind. And uh, I believe Seth also had a match that night and we got to go backstage and meet Seth afterwards. And he was beat to shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not joking you. And this is, uh, I think it was a Friday or Saturday night when they, re- when they did it. And they had matches coming up the next two or three nights after that. He was bruised bloody had palm prints all over him he looked like he had just been through a fucking war i think people drastically and at least i did and i knew that there was physicality to this but drastically underestimate how physical this is yeah it's extremely physical and being as close as you are or you were you could attest that it's very hard to fake going through a table it's very hard to fake being slammed against a, a, a steel cage, you know, and it takes their toll. And at that particular time, you know, I'm sure he had a show the night before and I'm sure he had a show the night after, you know? So there is no, like, I got to take a break. Very similar to like, you know, the two or three days of the CrossFit games, right? You just got done running Murph day one, 
guess what? You got a one rep max day two. It's like, there's no rest at all. Uh, now just imagine that 365 days a year yeah. or not. Maybe that's a little over exaggeration, but 285 days, but nonetheless, they're constantly on the road. So yeah, it does take their toll out. And not only that, you know, I think people also forget like Seth doesn't look the way he looks by watching TV or playing video games. You know, Brock Lesnar doesn't look the way he looks or, you know, Claudio or Cesaro doesn't look the way they look. They all still have to fit in their training. They still got to eat right on the road. And it's a grueling, tough life. Mm. You know, it's not just, you know, main events and big gigantic paychecks. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. If you have a family, you're not going to see them, you know, for four days out of the week because you're traveling, you know? So it's, it's, it's really mentally, mentally and physically tough. Can I ask you a question about, because as, as a coach who's prescribing workouts, balancing the physicality of the performance with how, how they need to continue to stay in shape. Cause you also sent them over to my gym at the time, one nation. And these guys came in and they got after a workout. And I was like, God damn, now you got to go perform later tonight. Like how, how are you thinking about balance in terms of what these guys are doing or, or is that even a, uh, something to think about? It is in, in the, in the earlier stages, I did not think of that. Cause I was just like, Oh, if they don't want to do anything, they're not going to do it. Like that's what I would do. I'm like, Hey man, I'm beat the fuck up. I can't do, you know, a one rep max back squat and then go right into some crazy wall ball, you know, running workout or, you know, something crazy, you know what I mean? Like that. So when I started to ask, ask them more and more questions, like, Hey, you know, I just saw you wrestle for 60 minutes on raw. How are you feeling? Oh, well, I probably shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z tomorrow. Well, why don't you tell me that? Like, you know, communicate to me that I'm writing your workouts. You got to tell me what works and what doesn't. Mm. Um, So in the beginning, it was, I had to almost think, okay, I know they have, okay, for example, like I know it's WrestleMania weekend. I know they have media. I know they have rehearsals. I know they have Hall of Fame. I know they have meet and greets. They're going to be busy as shit maybe my workouts aren't going to be as intense or maybe they're going to be short and sweet just in case they have to do it in a hotel gym. Okay. Maybe I got to scale it to just body weights in case they can't even leave their hotel room, Mm. you know? So it's a lot of that type of um, guesswork that you have to do. You also have to just check in, Hey, you know, I saw you were in hell in the cell this weekend. How's your back? You know? And then I buy my own neuroses or my own insecurities when he does a workout or they do a workout and they're like, Oh, my back is fried. I'm like, Oh shit. And I, <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Did I do that? You know, or, you know, sometimes I'll get the, the notes like, Oh, you know, you really fried my back today. And I'm like, shit, no, I don't want to do that. You know? So then I feel awful or I feel bad, you know? And again, yeah. I know it. I always try to tell people like, look, imagine throwing yourself on the floor, a hard floor, for anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes, nonstop. That's what they're doing, you know? And after that, the next day, going and working out and then going and doing that again. You know, it's it's a really tough life. I could not imagine some of the things that they do physically inside the ring and then having to go outside of the ring and do a workout that I have put together. I, it, it's, it's a tough life. Yeah, I'm, I... I... I definitely uh, can empathize with that in some senses. And and I I can definitely see how as a coach and a programmer for these athletes, 
there is a lot of probably adjusting going on and, and you have to have a high level of communication, just like you would with a lot of athletes who you're working with, but tenfold more because their season never ends. It's an ongoing season. Like you said, it's 285 days a year that these guys might be performing or being on the road. You know, when you classically work with athletes who are, you know, season-based athletes, <clears throat> you're typically training them GPP out of season. And then when they get in season, you're maybe working some maintenance with them or, you know, working with their training staff to make sure that they're staying healthy and limber and, you know, not getting injured. But like these guys, not only do they have to perform all year round, they have to fucking look amazing all year round. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is not only is there an off season, but we're all very competitive and, or they may be inspired by the CrossFit games or the West coast classic or Wadapalooza. So they're going to want, or the open. So they're going to want to try to do things or they'll hear of a workout. They're like, Oh, let's try this. So it's, it's not like coaching a typical athlete, because if you, I'm sure if you go to any strength and conditioning coach, everyone, we've all been a part of this poo poos, functional fitness and or CrossFit and, Oh, you're going to hurt somebody or, Oh, you're not doing it correctly. Or, Oh, this is not good for them. I mean, I remember I interviewed for a celebrity trainer who wanted me to go on the road with him. And he was like, look, I want my clients to look like they can deadlift 400 pounds. I don't want them to actually do it. And I, I remember my response was, but wouldn't it be cool if they could like, why, <laughs> like what, what's wrong with that? Why couldn't that they? probably didn't uh, go over very good. <laughs> not that well. I mean, luckily he was a friend of mine, so he wasn't a complete jerk, but again, it was just like, to me, it, it, it is tough as a programmer and a coach because you want to do what's best for your client, but sometimes your client is very hard-headed and doesn't want to do the things that you want to do because, you know, he sees that, uh, you know, the open is right around the corner and maybe, uh, maybe it'd be cool if I made the games and you're like, all right, well, all right. If that's what you want, sure. Yeah. You know? So, uh, I mean, look, there are a lot of things that we have obviously dialed back on and there's a lot of, you know, more traditional functional bodybuilding stuff that we've incorporated in our programming. So there's not as much lifting and, 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 and taxing on the body when it comes to the strength stuff. Um, but that is more due so to the occupation versus the program. Mm. In terms of <clears throat> the landscape of professional wrestling and the role that aesthetics plays in it, you know, it's pretty widely publicized that back in the day, uh, let's early nineties, late eighties, you know, it was an industry that was pretty raw with drug use. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of stories out there. You can go and read them. I don't have to tell them here, but you know, people were doing everything under the sun in order to get to a certain look and maintain a certain look. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of things and a lot of controls and a lot of cleaning up of the, the sport. How has that, imp how have you viewed that? And how have you seen the athletes kind of evolve in, in your uh, experience? Well, I think that that's why so many pro wrestlers and, and athletes not just pro wrestlers, but athletes have kind of been geared towards CrossFit in the sense that they don't have to spend four or five hours at the gym, you know, to look like Hogan. They also are in a, in a day and age where the Hogans and the warriors of today don't really move as well. They're not as athletic, you know? Um, so you have to be athletic 
in this day and age versus in the 80s and 90s, you can get over by being a, a behemoth. You yeah, know, Hogan had five moves. Yeah, exactly. Seth has five moves in the first five seconds of a match, you know? So again, it's very interesting to see pro wrestlers nowadays or athletes nowadays, they don't need that, right? Because there are so many other, if you're, if you're thinking, if, if you're asking about like vices, right? You pro wrestlers back in the day, they were hooked on pain kills and booze and, you know, they would go to strip clubs and stuff like that. Nowadays, guys are backstage playing on their Nintendo switches, right? Or they're, you know, reading comic books or, you know, that's their vice. And as far as pain meds, they're, you know, they're taking better care of their bodies. There's a, a, a sports nutritionist and physical therapist there. You know, people are doing ROM water, some sort of stretching. They're icing. They're maintaining their, the, the, their, their bodies a little bit better. There's all kinds of gimmicks. I'm sure as you all know, hyper ices and hyper volts and Theraguns and all the things, you know? So people aren't just destroying themselves in the ring, popping pills, then going to the next town, 60 beers, 60 beers and, and, and partying at a strip club, waking up and doing that all over again. Wildlife. So, so that was then this is now. So I think that that's why so many athletes and, you know, in this case, we're talking about wrestlers really focus on the functional fitness aspect because it's a good way for them to maintain their athleticism and still get stronger and faster. Mm -hmm. You know, I always use the analogy, like, watching Seth pick somebody up or Claudio pick somebody up and throw them outside of the ring. It's almost like doing a clean and jerk or them doing a, a high risk move off of the top turnbuckle. Like, you know, it's almost, you know, the equivalent to a muscle up. So it's like these guys are adapting, you know, there's been plenty of guys that are doing handstand walks on the outside of the ring. It's like these guys are adapting what they are learning outside of the ring in the ring and vice versa. That's really cool. Um, we're, this conversation went really fast, man. We're coming up on an hour almost here. I have a couple of more questions for you, though. If you, I'm not minutes. kicking. I'm not kicking you off, MDV. As long <laughs> as you have listeners that are still listening, I will answer anything that you want, my friend. They might have turned it off earlier because of all the pro wrestling talk. But let me jump back to the CrossFit Games 2021, Madison. Who's taking home the title, male and female, in the individual division? Hmm, that is a very, very good question. You know, I'm a big Chandler Smith fan. I hope He's he, a freak, man. Holy yeah, God. I, I hope he, uh, I hope he wins. I also like Patrick Vellner. Uh, I, you know, I think that he would be a, a fun person on top of that podium uh, on the, over the, on the, the girl side. Uh, I know this is kind of an older pick and maybe not as popular for some of the newer CrossFit fanatics, but I would love nothing more than Sam Briggs to go in there and, and win somehow. I'm a huge Sam Briggs fan. And the fact that she has qualified for the games again would be great to, to witness. I know that that is a, you know, that she's got some tough competition, but Sam Briggs would be great. The engine <coughs> uh, from England. Yeah. The engine from England. So um, those would be my picks or at least my, my, my hopeful picks um, team wise goes. You know, uh, I always say anybody but Rich's team, and that's nothing against Rich's team. It's just I don't like repeat champions. Some I just I just think it's kind of boring. But again, when 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 people like Rich, Tia Claire Toomey, and Matt Fraser win, it's just a testament on how hard they work. And to quote a certain athlete, hard work does pay off. And so, you know, it it clearly works. Yeah, I was talking. And, to 
<laughs> and, and I was going to say, and to quote another professional athlete, to be the man or woman, you got to beat the man or woman. And nobody can beat those top two slash three competitors. And, uh, you know, it's, again, just a testament to how hard they work. Who said that quote? Ric Flair. Come on. <laughs> I knew that. Come on. I just, come on. I knew. I knew. I knew. I just had to get the listeners to know. Um, no, it's funny. I was talking to James Hobart a couple of weeks back. and, and I love James Hobart. He uh, is my guy. He's the man. And he, he, is, uh, he has a lot of interest in a lot of pop culture, comic book, anime type of things as well. Um, but and I hope I just didn't out him for being a closet nerd. But I think everybody knows. That. I, I think not only is that. he the most beautiful man in crossfit he's probably also one of the most dynamic men in crossfit i was gonna say connor murphy is the most beautiful man in crossfit oh, and then and then austin austin and then james hobart so those are my <laughs> top but what we were talking about was this idea that um the crossfit games were never really it was kind of designed to never really have repeat champions or that was like at least what we thought very early on there was never going to be somebody who would come in and do so well so often and be so dominant that they would win year after year after year after year. And the tests were kind of designed to be really diverse so that you would have this kind of mixed bag of competitors go in and then it would be, you know, whoever was the fittest on that weekend or that day. But no, what's funny is we've kind of had a sport that's been dominated by repeat champions. You know, you're talking about Rich, then Matt, Tia, and, you know, a couple other ladies have won multiples. And then on the team side, you have Mayhem and NorCal CrossFit of years past who, and you, and Brute, yeah, and yeah, Brute, you, right? Yeah. Those guys all, all have dominated for so long. It's very interesting to me. Yeah. I, I, and again, I, I, I think the buildup to the CrossFit games is like, you know, you want, you're like, you're very excited and you think that somebody may just, you know, uh, de dethrone Rich or dethrone Matt or whoever or was Tia. the champion, right? dethrone Tia or Annie Thor's daughter. And I think, I, I think Rich won that year, but whatever year that Ben Smith won, that I, I, I want to say it was 2013 or 2014. I think it was 2014. Cause I don't think Rich was competing as an individual. It was, it was Ben first, Matt was second. But those are like the like, oh, holy shit moments, right? Same same year that Sam Briggs won, uh, Lindsay got second, and Val got third. It was just like, holy shit, like this isn't what we're used to seeing. And I think to me, those were the years that the sport got really exciting because you wanted to see Matt come back and win. You wanted to see, you know, Annie come back and dominate, you know? And I, I think that those were the, the, the more exciting events not to say that they aren't exciting but those to me on a personal level were very exciting so yeah it is funny to you hope that you don't have repeat champions because you think that that would be kind of interesting but it just again goes to show how hard these guys work all year long incredible incredibly hard the other question i have for you is in all of the wwe madness that has gone on in your life and the people you've mm -hmm. seen the events you've gone to has there ever been an opportunity for you to be a part of one of the matches have, have they oh. have, have they ever approached you and be like hey we want you to be seth rollins trainer who's sitting on the side and you have to smack cesaro as he's walking in and oh i i look mdv i would i wish nothing <laughs> for that to happen unfortunately nobody is going to no. care in the pro wrestling world if <laughs> seth rollins trainer hits cesaro 
I have been asked and I did get to audition to be a ring announcer, which was a dream in itself. Unfortunately, I didn't get the job, but I, I got to go inside of a WWE ring in an empty arena, which ironic because that's what they're in now for the time being or what they have been mm. and, 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 ring announce or introduce Seth and Cesaro. They didn't obviously come out, but it was just, it was all like part of the audition. So to the answer your question, no, I had an audition and I didn't get it, but I do my best to when I'm at the CrossFit games or these events is I, you know, I like to entertain people, you know, obviously I love to coach people. I love being a part of people's lives as far as a coach and making sure that they are the stronger, faster, healthier versions of themselves. But when I get in front of a live audience or a live crowd, I like to entertain them because when I'm sitting in a crowd, when I'm not participating in a CrossFit or a functional fitness event, and again, this is nothing toward uh, a particular MC or whatever, but it's, it, it is kind of tough to sit there and be like, oh, you know, follow along. So I try my best to have pop culture references or make the crowd like if, you know, I, I'll, I'll plant certain things in their ears, or if there's something that I know will make people laugh, or I, I know that will garner a reaction out of somebody or a crowd, I will say it because I want it to be fun for the for people sure. that now, again, if it's like a two minute workout and it's the last heat of the, of the last day, no one's going to hear my jokes because everyone's yelling and screaming and, 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 and cheering for whoever. But there is a lot of times where it's the second day, it's the third event, the third heat, you know, that I'm like, ah, oh, man, this crowd isn't really into it. I'm going to try to get them into it, you know? And I think that that's where the pro wrestler in me, if even though I'm not a pro wrestler, is I'm trying to get a reaction out of the crowd. I'm trying to tell a story. And I know I'm not the commentator. I know I'm not Sean Woodland or Tommy Marquez. They're doing another job for the, for the broadcast. But myself... I'm doing it for all the people that are in the audience. So I'm trying my best to get them interested, to, to get them uh, invested in what's going on yeah. on the field because nine out of 10 times, nobody cares until that last heat. And I think that that's kind of a disrespect to the people that are in heats one and two and three, because sometimes those are the more exciting heats than it is the fourth or the last one. You know, there's some real high stakes going on there. There are people, um, there was a girl this weekend, Brianna Wallen, I think her name was. I think she started the weekend in the first heat. And then by the end of the weekend, she was in the final heat. And it, it, cool. I, and I was like, why isn't anybody telling that story? You know, why isn't she being interviewed? She should be. She worked her ass off to get into the final heat, you know? So I do my best to, when I see these little side stories happening, try to relay that to the crowd. Well, I've been to many CrossFit events. I've, he I've heard you announce many occasions. I've seen you work. I've seen you work solo. I've seen you work with Kiki and you do an amazing job. You really do. You bring a, a life and an energy to the events and to the heats. You can tell that you really enjoy it. And I also have watched you through your Instagram in the years past when you were coaching at Paradiso. So you, I mean, you coached a crazy schedule. You were up super early in the morning. You always brought energy. You were always doing fun stuff for the gym. You were always infusing a lot of what makes you such an entertaining person to talk to and all of your different passions into coaching. And part of coaching is entertainment and you do it 
really, really well, Josh. So I, I appreciate I, I, this conversation today, man. I, I appreciate that too. And like I said, look, I, I am not saying that I'm the MDV or the James Hobart, if you will, or the Austin of coaching. I don't have my level four, you know, I don't have all of the certifications on the planet, but I do feel like I am very good at what I do. And there have times, have I coached great classes? Sure. Have I taught shitty classes? Yes. But at the end of the day, I like to think that whether I'm coaching a class at a gym, I'm trying to make that the best hour of that person's day. You know, I used to have such a chip on my shoulder. Somebody would come in late. I'm like, oh, this, this motherfucker's, you know, uh, <laughs> disrespecting me. me. Yeah. God damn it. Oh, Give me 20 burpees. And then I was like, fuck, man, what if that guy was just like late? You know, what if tra uh, LA traffic sucks? What if he's getting yelled at at his boss and now I'm yelling at him? Like, that's kind of a shitty way to feel, you know? So it's just like, I want to be the best part of that person's day. Very similar to Dead Boys Fitness, right? I know street parking, the juggernaut, Miranda and Julian, which by the way, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me announcing Julian was going to be a father and that he gave away <laughs> his trip to the CrossFit games so he could sit at home and ride up street parking with Miranda, there would be no street parking. I'm just kidding, Miranda. I'm just kidding. I could tell I'm there was promos coming. I was loving it. I was waiting for it to turn into I'm just, character. I'm just kidding. But no, seriously, there's street parking out there. There's all kinds of fun programming. But what makes Dead Boys different is, again, we – are catering to people that, uh, you know, at first it was wrestling fans, but now it's just people that want to get off the couch and want to change their lives for the better. And we want to have fun doing it. So when you look at some of our WAD demos, you, if you look at some of our promos, it's me infusing a lot of things that I like, horror movies, pop culture, Tarantino, you know, this, that, and the other, because I'm just trying to have fun. You know, those are the, those, you know, same thing with the, the CrossFit games and the MCing. you know, I try to have fun because if it's not fun for me, it's definitely not going to be fun for the people that I'm 100%. coaching or that I'm programming for, or that I'm trying to entertain. They could, you could clearly see when a coach is not having a good time. You can clearly see when somebody is doing a job that they hate. And I don't want that to be the case. And so that's why I try really hard at whatever it is I do to ensure that I'm having fun. And by me having fun, they're going to have fun, you know? Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I love how you sum that up. And listen, 10 out of 10 times, 10 out of 10 times, I'm going to take the coach. If I had two coaches in front of me, one who is having a blast out there, who maybe coaches at a seven out of 10 on the technique side, the mechanic side, a hundred percent of the time, I'm taking that person over the 10 out of 10 on the technical side. Who's just boring as shit. There's no way there's no decision in my mind. I'm never, ever choosing the 10 out of 10 boring person. Never. Well, well, and I think too, that that's why there are certain gyms out there that are so popular. It's not because, and I think that this was a big problem. And again, this could be for another podcast, but I think in the earlier stages or the big stages of CrossFit or when CrossFit was at its peak, not saying that it's not, but there was a, obviously a big peak. Uh, everybody, I got to have, I got to go to the games. I got to have the gnarliest programming. I got to come in, warm up one rep max snatch, then, you know, <laughs> double weight grace. And then, uh, you know, there's no, no need. There's no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's just no need for that. And I like to think the classes at whatever gym that I coach at, whether it be Paradiso or Dogtown, I had the most fun because I tried my best to take the pressure off of the clients. Because again, living in Los Angeles, you know, not a lot of people here know about the CrossFit games. They may have seen it at a bar or on ESPN, but they're just looking to have fun. And so when I would throw events, 
it was more about having fun. You know, in my classes, it was more about having fun. And I think that that's why there are certain gyms out there like NC Fit, like City Side in Houston, like uh, CrossFit South Brooklyn, you know, David. Uh, Great gym, uh, David Sorry. Yeah. David Osario, there are gyms that get that message across. Uh, Co3 in, in Los Angeles, or I should say Torrance, uh, the, the two gyms that I go to, West LA Athletics and uh, Rising Wave. There are gyms that see that. They see that value. They see like, man, this is about a community. You could work out anywhere, especially in California. There are gyms pretty much on every, on every fucking block. But people want to be a part of a tribe. They want to be a part of a community and they want to feel special. And they want also want to have fun. And I think those are the gyms that you see strive and they survive, you know, especially in such a shitty time, like the pandemic deuce gym is another great example down the street. I like Logan a lot Uh, of that. You know, there are a lot of hardcore CrossFitters that'll go into that gym and they'll be like, what the fuck? What is this? I'm so used to doing it a certain way, but no, that's not how they do it there. And if you don't like it, you don't have to go there. You know, they do it a certain way. And that's why that their community is so strong Yeah, because they, they love it. And so Again, going back to what I was saying before, is like being able to have fun and not take your fitness so serious is a huge part of what I believe in as a coach and as a person. Because again, if I'm taking something way too seriously and or if I'm uh, not having fun, then it's not going to be fun for the person or people involved, you know? Amen, brother. Amen. Josh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we got to have you back on to talk a little bit more about whatever you want to talk about. No, man, bring Where can my listeners find more about you? Oh, get ready. Pull out the (laughs) list, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Josh, Joshy G27 on Instagram. Dead Boys Fitness on Instagram. Uh, I host a show on Sideshow Collectibles. You can catch some of the earlier seasons. It's like an interview style type show. Um, it's called get super with Joshy G. So we have some fun guests, like some pro wrestlers, like some actors, stuntmen, like Tate Fletcher, some producers, executive producers of Marvel, like, uh, Nate Moore. So that's a fun show. Uh, maybe you can catch me at your local competition. If you back up the Brinks truck and bring a big fat check, I'll MC whatever the heck you want. Uh, <laughs> possibly the CrossFit games. I don't know. Castro and the higher ups have not called me yet. So, you know, I'm not saying that they need to, but if they want to have a good fun show, they know who to call. Well, it's been a pleasure, my man. I got to, I'm going to put you on the spot for a shooter's choice here. You got Savage, you got a Macho Man Randy Savage, you got a Ric Flair, you got a Stone Cold, or you got a Rock. But I want to, I want to end the podcast with one of the iconic sayings from one of those four people. And you got to do it. I'll tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll do you one better, MDV. I'll give them to you all. I'll give them all to you, right? <laughs> all. all right. All right. So here we go. Savage. Oh, yeah, brother. Let me tell you what. MDV, he's got what it takes. But let me say one thing and one thing only. Joshy G is cream of the crop, brother. And let me tell you what. All those other jabroni uh, trainers out there, they think they got what it takes. But the cream always rises to the top. That was a pretty good savage. Pretty good savage. Right. Hell yeah. I don't have a really good flair. Uh, I mean, I'll just, you, you know, you know, to be, there's a lot of yelling and I, my voice is gone. I can give you a good Austin. At least I think I can, which is, Hey there kid. I'll tell you what, you know, Sean Woodland and Tommy Marquez, they think they got what it takes in the podcast world, but they ain't got, they can't hold a candle to my man MDV. He'll open up a can of whoop ass on him. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> 
Those were two pretty good ones, man. Those were two pretty yeah. good ones. And then ones. finally, this is my promo that I'm cutting on The Rock. This is Joshy G. Hey, Dwayne, it's your boy, Joshy G. Listen, I saw two, three years ago, you told the entire world that you did Murph. Well, guess what, buddy? I don't believe you. And in fact, I'm challenging you to a Murph challenge. That's right. You go get your weight vest, which I know you don't own, right? You give me a mile run outside, not on your stupid treadmill. I want to see 100 pull-ups. 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, followed by a mile run. You can't claim that you did Murph if you didn't actually do Murph. So do me a favor, grab your ZOA, drink it down, tie up your little Under Armour Dwayne shoes, and go grab your weight vest and start it, buddy. Okay? Uh, if you hit him with the, if you smell at the end, you would have. You I, I don't want to st- see. I can't steal somebody's uh, catchphrase if you smell what Joshy G's cooking. I can't do that. <laughs> I got to come up my own. Oh, Josh, it was a good time, man. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining. Hey, MDV, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to know you as a buddy. I appreciate all the wonderful advice you've given me in the past, coaching, personal, all that. You're a good dude. I hope people have enjoyed this podcast because uh, you're a good good brother. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. See you.